Amen. Joshua 1 is where we're beginning today. We're ending at Joshua 24. So that means we're going to cover the whole book of Joshua in just a few moments. I ask you to listen real fast, if you would. I'll preach fast if you listen fast. And as we think about where we're going, the whole story of reality, we're walking from Genesis all the way through Revelation, and we want to know the truth about God's plan and about His story and how it all fits together. And so we look at another piece today, and we're looking at what... What do you do, or how do you fight your battles? Because we know, as we've already sung about just a moment ago, that the battle belongs to the Lord, that we have one who fights for us. And if he's fighting for us, then we better be doing something that's worth fighting for and fighting with him over. So we know that that means we've got to be on mission. We've got to be what God wants us to be in making disciples of this community in this world and and that begins by making sure we're living and walking with Him. So as we think about that, I, I want you to just kind of evaluate where you are in your arena of life. One of my favorite movies happened when I was in high school, 1986. This weekend I got to, to gather with some of my high school buddies and, and we got together. And in 1986 a movie called Hoosiers came out. Y'all remember that movie? I love that sports movie. It's about a small town in Indiana who a place for the state championship against the large school. It, uh, in the movie, it was Hickory, Indiana. In the actual life, it was Milan High School. 161 students in that high school going against the, the big schools that were 10 times larger than them in, in Indianapolis. And they played that game in a Hinkle Fieldhouse or but, Old Butler Fieldhouse. That was where the actual game took place, and that's where the movie um, championship game took place as well. And you'll recall in the movie, Gene Hackman is the coach, and he, Norman Dale was his name in the movie, and he, as they come into that arena, they're just flabbergasted. These small hick country boys from Hickory, they look around and they're just, I can't believe they're in this huge arena, a hundred times larger than their high school uh, gym. He takes out a tape measure. Recall this scene if you haven't seen the movie, spoiler alert. Right here, all right? And he measures, has the boys measure from the ground to the edge of the goal. Ten feet. He has a measure from the goal to the free throw line. You recall? Fifteen feet. He says, boys, we just got to stay with the basics. The arenas of life change, but the basics don't change. In the book of Joshua, that's where we, we come. Joshua's about to take over from Moses, the, the legend, larger than life. And he is reminded, God reminds him in this first chapter that this new arena is different, but the basics don't change. And the basics for us as Christians don't change either. The word, prayer, the people of God, we've come together to grow in those three arenas Today, and we come together to prepare so that we'll be able to share in our mission field outside these walls. And so remind yourself as we look at this that you're in that spot. You're in a different arena. All of us are in a little bit different arena. Some of us are in new arenas. We have new jobs or we're looking for new jobs. Or some of us are in a new stage of, of retirement. Or some of us are taking care of aging parents, or some of us are, are back home from their first semester of college, or some of us are headed off to college. Students, you're, 
you're here and you know the different things that you're going through. And we all have different stages. Of, and we have the same question in, in our mind to a certain extent, whether we contemplate it or not. Are we able to succeed in these arenas of life, in this education system or whatever we're doing next? Do we have what it takes? And the answer to that is yes, if we have who it takes. If we have the one who Joshua had walking with us, the one who says to Joshua, I'll be with you like I was with Moses. I will never leave you or forsake you. So I want us to read together the first chapter, not the whole chapter, just the first few verses of chapter 1 and stand in the honor of reading of God's holy word from the New Living Translation. It's page 181 in that black Bible if you need a page number. Hope you have your own copy. And it says this, it links it to Deuteronomy 34. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. In verse 5, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors. I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you'll be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Whatever arena of life you're in, the Lord your God is with you. Would you say that last little sentence with me? For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. The greatest promise in Scripture right there. That God is going to be with us. He hasn't promised everything's going to be easy. In fact, exactly the opposite in many cases. It's hard to live for Him. It's hard to be His people in this world anymore. But He has promised His presence. Let's thank Him right now. Father, teach us from Your Word. Oh, we thank You. We thank You that that promise that You made to Joshua... Thousands of years ago, it's still true today for your people. You're here, Lord. Your word has said where two or three gather, there's more than that here. We're gathering in your name. And you're in our midst. And we want to experience more of your presence. And we want to know together more of your will. Not just to know it but to do it. So teach us, Lord. 
Change us, Lord. Open our hearts. In your holy and powerful name we pray, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated as we look at this passage and others a little closer. We're going to be looking primarily at chapters 5 through 7, so I hope you'll keep your Bibles handy there with you. It's going to be on the screen as well, but it's always good to look at your own copy there together. And I hope you also have a bulletin. We'll be filling in some of those blanks as we go along, as we think about uh, what's going on here and how you fight your battles. Don't you know there's some things in your life and in this world worth fighting for? Your family, your marriage, your job, this community, this nation, freedom, all those things are worth fighting for. But how in the world do we take on such huge tasks in fighting those battles? Well, as we look at this book together, we're going to see some things, some strategies and techniques that God is going to allow us to see together in order to fight the battle that we have because all of us are fighting in one way or another. And we want to know all the resources at our disposal to deal with all of what we're dealing with. Now we know Joshua is uh, he's kind of a man's man. In fact, some would say that, uh, or some little boys wear Superman pajamas. Well, Superman wore Joshua pajamas. He's that kind of guy, you know? He is the, the truer and better Chuck Norris kind of guy. We, we see in, in just an encounter in, in chapter 5, uh, what he's going to do is he leads the army of God into the promised land. But before all of that, remember the context of Joshua in his life? He's one of those 12 spies he and Caleb and ten other guys that we don't remember their names because they're, they're weird sort of names and they're cowards and we don't remember cowards. I remember one guy, his name was, was Shofat. Now, who names their kid Shofat? If you name, parents, if you name your kid Shofat, it's not going to go show well for them in, in high school. I'm pretty sure Shofat went to the prom by himself or something, you know. That's not a great name, but we remember Jake. We remember Joshua, not Jake, Joshua and Caleb, don't we? Because they had the courage to believe that with God, they could take on the giants of the land. And all the others were, were cowards. They were scared of what was going to take place. And, and yet God moves in Joshua's life to the point where he reminds him here in this first chapter, you need to be more of who I've created you to be. And he says three times, be strong. Be strong and courageous. And in this huge task of leading God's people into the promised land, there had to be some anxiety. And so God showed him what he needed to do, who he needed to be. Let's look at chapter 5 for just a moment. Here's an instance. The greatest or the biggest obstacle to taking on the, the promised land was uh, Jericho. Remember the story? Joshua fought the battle of Jericho. You recall Jericho's this huge fortified city and it's got walls as thick as a two-lane highway and there's no way. It's impossible for the people of God to penetrate those walls to take on the people of Jericho and enter into the promised land. It's, it cannot 
be done. And so Joshua's thinking through his military mind, how in the world are we going to do this? He's out one night. I don't know what he's doing to relax. Maybe he's playing Angry Birds on his phone or something of that nature. And, and, and whatever he's doing, I, I think he's probably praying. And as he prays, he encounters this commander of the Lord's army. Look at it. Chapter 5, beginning with verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with sword in hand. And Joshua went up to him and demanded, Are you friend or foe? Or are you for us? Or are you for our enemy? And literally, the commander says no. In the New Living Translation, he says neither one. He replied, I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I am at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. He encounters the commander of the Lord's army. Who is that? The commander of the Lord's army. I think it's Jesus himself. I think this is what theologians call a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. Before Jesus comes at Bethlehem, he comes several times in the Old Testament. And I believe this is one of them because Joshua bows and worships him. And it's not an angel because angels would say, hey, get up. If you worship me, God is going to be mad at both of us. Worship God alone. But I... But here, he doesn't stop him from worshiping him. He allows him that to happen. And and in fact, Joshua says that he he prostrates himself there and bows before him in reverence and and worships and says, hey, speak, basically speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And then he got up and he did it. Now, here's the first thing I want you to see about all of this with Joshua and about what he's about to encounter. The guy says, when Joshua asked him, are you for us or are you for our foe? Are you with us or are you with our enemy? He says, no, Joshua's asking the wrong question. The question is not, is the guy with us, but rather is Joshua with that guy? It's not a yes or no question. And yet he says, no. It's like, what's your name? And he says, no. That's not the question Joshua is asking, but the guy, the the encounter I think he has with Jesus, he says, the question is not whether I'm for you or you with me in this battle. Because the battle, as we sang about, is mine. See, what God is going to do in his people is focus them more on on obedience and what he's called them to do than he is on the outcome because the outcome belongs to the Lord and that's how it is in in life. Whatever happens ultimately is going to be determined by by God. Now, oftentimes he would use his people, but he's more concerned with whether or not we do things his way. And that's what this commander of the Lord's army is, is all about. Joshua is the commander of the... Israelite army, he encounters Jesus, who's the commander of the Lord's army. Now, which would you rather have fighting on your side? 
those Israelites who don't have a battering ram, who don't have a catapult, who can't get over the walls of Jericho, or the commander of the Lord's army, Jesus himself, who could make the walls come tumbling down. So here's the first thing I want you to see. Here's the first technique. Surrender. Surrender. Joshua and all his warriors are ready for a fight. I, I have no doubt in my mind. But that's not what's going to happen. Something different's going to happen. Their plans and their strategies and, and, and all of their techniques are not going to bring that wall down, are they? We know the rest of the story if we've been in Sunday school at all, and we're going to look at it in, in brief in just a moment. That's not going to win this battle. There's got to be something different. Can you imagine being a warrior and going home to your wife that night and, and she's saying, well, did you slay the enemy? You big bad warrior. And, and, I mean, they're not too much different than we are. And, and him saying, no, we just walked around. We just walked around the, the wall. We didn't do anything. I don't know what Joshua was doing. Maybe we were on a scouting mission again. I, I don't know. And then the next night, doing the same thing. And the next night, and the next night, and the next, six nights in a row. You're just walking around those walls and you're wondering. Does Joshua know what he's doing? Does God know what he's doing? There's some things that go on in our minds too, are there not? There are times where we wonder, why in the world is this happening to me? Does God know what he's doing? But God is always more interested in who you're becoming than he is in what you're doing for him. You see, God doesn't really need you and me. He allows us to serve alongside him. And we find great joy in serving alongside him. But God can accomplish his, his task and his purposes with or without you. God doesn't need my preaching ability. God can speak through a donkey. Can you imagine that? God, and he does oftentimes. And we think about. Uh, he doesn't need us as much as we need to be on board with him. And his task. And that's why we surrender. And there's always areas of our life. Think about them for just a moment. To surrender. What are you holding back? Is it your health concerns? Are you trying one product after another to try to do whatever you need to do? You know, I can do almost anything when it comes to, to, to dieting if I think it's going to happen it immediately. If I know the why and the when and all that stuff, I'll, I'll do some of that, try to do that stuff because I, I want to eat a salad at lunch and I want my pants to be loose in the evening. You know, I, wanna, I want it to happen immediately. But there are times when I don't seek the Lord and say, Lord, give me control, self-control over my eating habits and discipline to exercise, to do what needs to be done because those are really the only two things that are going to help you. In that arena of life. You submit yourself to the way. God has created you. And made you in that area. Do you surrender? Now think about this for just a moment. In your relationships. How 
How committed are you to the, the marriage that you, God has allowed you to be a part of? If I say to Jennifer, I am, I am yours um, 165 hours a week, except for from 9 to 12 on Friday evenings, I'm going to do whatever I want to do with whoever I want to do it. She's going to say, get lost. You know? Because 98% in that area of faithfulness is unfaithfulness. You understand that? So when it comes to the Lord, why do we somehow think, well, we're doing pretty good when we're not completely surrendered to His will and His plan? And we don't see everything that we call ours as His and us as stewards of that. Our time and our treasure and our talent. It's all His. He's just giving it to us for a moment. It's all going back to Him. And He just gives us stewardship over it for a moment. Do you surrender all of that to the Lord? Let's look at the second thing. This is it's pretty crazy. These are pretty bizarre instructions in chapter 6, we see now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites and no one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I've given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men shall march around the town once a day for six days. And then uh, the ark of the Lord is supposed to go before them and they go around once a day for six days and then on the seventh day they go around uh, and on the seventh time they... they Shout and the walls come tumbling down. These are, do you realize how bizarre we, we're so familiar with this story that we don't often really reflect and, and meditate on, on how bizarre this is. Let me just put it in a, a, a more common, up-to-date context. It, it would be like old Doug Duncan, who's the offensive coordinator, saying to his football team next fall, now here's what I want you guys to do. I want you to come to the line of scrimmage and I want you to hold hands and I want you to sing Kumbaya. We're not going to run a play. That's what we're going to do. We're just going to skip to the line and we're going to enjoy. And then when the other team falls down laughing or making fun of them, then we're just going to run right by them. You see that? Nobody does that, right? That's bizarre. This is bizarre. These are not good battle tactics. The people on the, in Jericho, they're all shut up because they're afraid of all this mass number of Israelites who are out in the wilderness who are about to take the promised land. But when they see them marching around, I can just imagine they're, they're laughing at them and spitting at them and throwing stuff at them. What are you doing, you sissies? And all that stuff, you know? And the walls come tumbling down. In an instant, God's people move in to the land that God has given them. God knows what He's doing even when we don't. So the second thing, the second tactic to do battle in whatever sphere you're in, whatever arena you're in, is, is courageous obedience. Do what God has called you to do. And you know that He's called you to do it. You see what He said way back in chapter 1 to Joshua is that this is the book of the law. Do not let it depart from your mouth. Talk about it all the time with your, your family. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about the book of the law. And, and meditate on it 
day and night. Think about what the Word says so that you'll be careful to do all that's written in it. Obedience. You see, there's things in, in the Bible that we know we ought to do and ought not to do. And let's just start there with the truth that we've already attained. There's lots of things we are confused about in the Scripture, but there are lots of things that we know. And so just do and live up to the truth that you've already attained, already know you are to do. And we can't fully even do that, can we? We need help. And the good news is there is help. Help from the Lord. Because courage is moving forward even when we don't understand. Look at the screen, if you would, for just a moment. In the book of Joshua, fear equals rebellion. And when you're afraid of stuff, then, then we know in the book of Joshua, he reminds them, be strong and courageous. When you're afraid of stuff, then you're going to do what you think you ought to do or need to do to just survive. But courage, the next slide says this, courage is the ability to keep going even when you can't see the results. Because you know God is faithful. It's not Joshua who's so great. It's not Joshua that we worship. But it's the one who's with Joshua. You don't always see how God is working things out, but you know and you trust, and I do too, that He is. And that He will. And when you look back, that's where we see God working oftentimes, isn't it? Hindsight, we see God, how He's worked things out. We stand amazed and we remember. We can trust Him for what's ahead because we've seen how great His track record is in the past. That's where we are as we study this, as we look at this. But here's the question. What is it that lies ahead that you might be afraid of that keeps you from obeying what you know God is calling you to do. There's all sorts of things that you know might need to happen. Uh, young people, maybe a relationship that's dragging you down needs to end or, or maybe you need to come clean about some sin in your life and, or maybe there's a hard conversation you've got to have with someone you love. I don't know, maybe the next step for you is tithing in your finances. You just trust God, as Malachi says. Test me at this. See if I won't throw open the windows of heaven. Try me at that. Maybe there's a, a point in your spiritual walk you've got to take the next step where you, you've never really um, made a public profession of faith. You need to acknowledge the Lord before people so that He'll acknowledge you before the Father. You, have you ever been baptized and made that public declaration. Maybe that's the next step. Or maybe a small group of community. That's the next step. Or joining this church and being on mission together with us and contributing what God has blessed you with. Whatever it is, what's the fear that needs to be overcome? What's keeping you from doing what God has called you to do? You've come for a long time. You've sat for a long time. And now, it's time to participate in the family of God. Would you do it today? 
what God is calling you to do in obedience. Because here's what Revelation 21.8 talks about. It, this is a, a section of Scripture that talks about the second death, or, or I think hell that is what he's talking about. And he says, but the cowards and unbelievers and the corrupt and the murderers and the immoral and those who practice witchcraft and idol worshipers and all liars and their fate is in the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. Did you notice all those things? We, they don't surprise us, murderers and immoral and all those folks, but the very first one, you see it? Cowards. Cowards. You have the faith to overcome whatever fear that keeps you from being all that God's called you to be. Because one of the great aspects of our Christian faith is just overcoming that by trusting God to know what He's doing and courageously obeying Him, stepping out. Maybe today's the day for you. Third thing I want you to see is found in chapter 7. And this is, is something that's crucial to the story way Back in, in chapter 6, verse 18 and 19, it says, Do not take any of these things set apart for destruction as they take, uh, take over Jericho, or yourselves will be com you'll, you'll be completely destroyed, and you'll bring trouble on the camp of, of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze, or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into the treasury. So all the, all the booty... All the, the spoils as they take over Jericho were to be de dedicated to the Lord. But there's one guy. You remember his name? A guy named Achan. A-C-H-A-N. He said, what are we going to do that for? What are we going to destroy all that stuff for? What, what are we going to commit all that to the, the treasury of the Lord for? Ooh, he sees a robe and he likes it. And he sees some, some silver he likes it. He sees some gold and he likes it. He said, I, I don't think they'll miss this. I don't think this is going to hurt anybody. And he takes some of that and he hides it in his tent. Remember the story? Chapter 7 says this. But Israel violated the instructions about the things set apart. Or Israel, the people of God, people of Israel, broke faith in regard to the devoted things. For Achan, the son of Carmi, son of Zabdi, son of Zerah, that's, all that's repeated later because that's who they, how they find out who did this. And of the tribe of Judah took some of the devoted things. And the anger of the Lord burned against the people of Israel. That's what happens when we do things our own way. When we're not satisfied with the plans of God. When we think we know better. And we're going to play the role of God. For just a, even a moment. But here's the, here's the last technique I want you to see. Faithfully endure. And do what things God's way even when you're marching around the wall, can you imagine what would happen if they'd stopped on day six? They'd never seen the power of God. Or can you imagine what would happen if, if they did things their own way? Well, we don't have to imagine because we see it. What happens to Achan and his family, Achan, I, thinking maybe this doesn't hurt anybody else. It does hurt somebody else. It hurts all his family. They're all stoned because they caused the death of 36 innocent people. You see, Jericho was like... Defeating Lubbock. And, and Ai was, was like taking on Loop or somewhere like that. And Loop was the one who whipped the Israelites. Because with God, we can do incredibly miraculous things. 
And without him, we don't stand a chance. That's the message of Joshua. They whipped Jericho, this powerful fortified city, but this smaller little bitty place whipped them. There's collateral damage for Aiken's sin. So the question for all of us is, do we see things, choices we make, as just things that are going to affect us? Not going to hurt anybody else? Do we see things like, Aiken should have seen things. It's not so much a matter that's going to hurt somebody else. It's a matter of his own heart. He didn't trust God to provide the, the desires of his own heart. He's got to take matters into his own hands. In doing this deed, in fighting his battle, he decides he's going to do it his way. That's something we all deal with all the time, isn't it? Are we going to go our way? Or are we going to go the Lord's way? As we look at the end of Joshua, Joshua, at the very end, they, they won all these battles and overtaken the promised land. And at the end, we see what's going on in, in chapter 24. And this is where we're going to conclude. So fear the Lord and serve Him wholeheartedly. Verse 14 of Joshua 24 says... Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone, because the Lord is the one who brought us through into the promised land. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? And then he says these great words. But as for me and my house, we will serve what? The Lord. Who? The Lord. So we would, we would want the book to end right there, wouldn't we? The people proclaim in verse 16, hey, that's what we're going to do. We would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. We're going to serve the Lord. He's great. And then Joshua kind of throws water on their fire. Verse 19, then Joshua warned the people. No, you're not. You're not able to serve the Lord. For He is holy. He's a holy and jealous God. And He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. Can you imagine a halftime speech where they're behind and the coach says, hey, they're bigger than us, stronger than us, faster than us. We're going to lose this game for sure. Let's just endure the, next, the second half and we'll be done with it. That's what Joshua's doing here. They, they proclaim, hey, we've got a chance. We're going to do what God calls us to do. And, it, and Joshua says, no, you're not. Because Joshua is unable to help them surrender, courageously obey. And faithfully endure it any more than Moses could. Because the people of God are still in need of a greater Joshua. And the truth is, it's not one who 
causes the walls of Jericho to come tumbling down. It's the one who causes the walls of condemnation and sin to come tumbling down. And it's not Joshua. It's the New Testament. Joshua. You know what Joshua means? God saves. You know what Jesus means? God saves. The one who saves his people from their sins. And so there's a new Joshua coming for the people of God, and there's a new Joshua here now for the people of God. And now the choice is ours. Who will we serve? It's not just a matter of accepting him and and believing in him. It's a matter of serving him. It's making him Lord Jesus. We would never say to someone who comes to our house, come on in, Kyle, but Strine, you stay out. We wouldn't even know what to do there. When we received the Lord, we received the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who came not as a lieutenant to, to help us and provide for us and protect us. He does all those things, but we come to serve the general the one who came to take over and set the course and direction of our lives. So as for you and your house, who will you serve? Who will you make top priority? Who will you fall down and worship? Let's, Let's pray together. Father, we need you. We thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for your word that points toward Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, for tearing down those walls of condemnation. Lord, we know that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in you. And we ask, Lord, that you would remind your people of that. And that you would give them courage to respond as you lead them right now to the next step of obedience and faith. Lord, we pray as you told Joshua that we would be the kind of people who are strong and courageous, not because of who we are, but because of who you are, Jesus, and what you've done. We have no right to come before you, Father, apart from him. But because of him, because of you, Jesus, all walls are torn down. All curtains of separation are torn. And we look we look to you we need you Lord we need you every hour we need you this hour so I pray that your people would respond if there's somebody in this place who doesn't know you that today would be the day they cross the line of faith admit they are sinners believe in you and choose to follow you Jesus I pray that for the people who believe and the people who have made that public commitment that they would take another step of baptism, joining the church, or joining a small group, or finding an area of service, or look into how they can contribute and build your kingdom, reaching their oikos. They'd not give up, but they'd faithfully endure. In the power of your strong name, we pray, Jesus.